0: Let's Do the Right Thing, brought to you by Passion Media, in association with Radio Works and Maple Street Creative.
1: This is the LDTRT podcast, brought in conjunction with Passion Media and Radio Works. It was set up to tell the story of leaders in the media industries and focusing on their journeys and motivations. I am still on the mission to gather the best advice. To that end, I am delighted to be speaking today with Ian Milner, who says of himself, an ordinary man who gets to work with extraordinary people. Ian is the chair and co-founder of Iris Worldwide, a leading marketing agency set up in 1999, doing extraordinary things and operating as an alternative to the ad-led supergroups. Ian also has some fantastic lines in his LinkedIn bio to do things that others love and respect. I love that. Iris builds participation brands combining creative and commercial expertise to build experiences that explode into cultural moments and does this for an enviable list of clients, embedding them into people's lives. I mean, wow. <laughs> That's a hell of a bio. Thank you for coming in, Ian. Hello, how are you? I'm pretty good, thank you. It it
0: beats working for a living, doesn't it? It does, it does, and you've been doing it for a little while now. <laughs> how's, how's it been going? Um, it's, it's been going all right, I was sort of thinking, because I'm I'm now a gent in my 50s, uh, 53 to be precise, and uh, uh, I've been doing Iris for approaching half of my life and um i do get asked by people from time to time um why are you still doing it <laughs> um, that that, that, that segues me to a very easy first question <laughs> well, why are you still doing <laughs> well i mean yeah i mean um i've got a very expensive life uh, uh, i mean it, it's it's not a job it's beyond that it's deeper it's like a, and it's not even like it's a sense of duty or or anything that I can identify as being exciting, it's who I am. It's what I do. So it's it's very deeply ingrained into kind of my own mind, um, and and how I sort of see the world and how I live my life. So it, it's it's quite difficult to convey that because obviously our journey has been sort of peppered with all sorts of thrills and spills um and obviously I've done a lot I've learned a lot I've made a load of mistakes um but overall it has been awesome um but it's not like it's it's over it's it's awesome now you know it was awesome last week it' you know, it'd be awesome. even when the things are harder yeah um it's still interesting and exciting because there's so many things about it that are, are always changing and stimulating you know for me so yeah it, it's um and, and also um, I, I don't feel like it's done I, I feel like there's it's not like I can say um, we're just getting going or anything like that because it is clear that we <laughs> we've been getting going for a long time you know um, it, it's more I, I still think there's a great opportunity I still think there's so many brilliant people there's some amazing clients um, so I feel like there's a, a lot more to, to do with it and you know I, I just feel that you know in, in my own kind of self, awareness i sort of feel like you know i've got i've got more to more to give and um you know i'm still really excited about what the next few years look like can you remember what the spark was
1: um 25 years ago you're like were you in a pub having a chat with your mates and going, well let's do something different or is, is was there an actual point that you can focus back on um
0: these things always seem to sort of start in some kind of pub setting well, it's media. Well, wait, way, way yeah, yeah. Yeah. maybe different why i joined the industry <laughs> But yeah, yeah, for sure, it's 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 a pub. It's a pub. It's a couple of beers in. Yeah. It's a what-if style, you know, uh, conversation. Um, and then you, you don't really take it seriously. And then, um, you know, you have another conversation a week or two later and, yeah. and you talk about the same thing and you, you start to sort of uh, build it. And then before you know it, one of you's... Um, uh, creating PowerPoint slides, and when you, when you know the PowerPoint slides are involved, that's when you know there's you know it's a serious conversation. Yeah.
1: <laughs> do you still have those original <laughs> slides anywhere?
0: I, I bet you I do. I bet you I do. I'm not sure. I'm sure I could find them, um, but yeah, uh, an iris is the company that you know we created, and um, we didn't want to name it after anybody in particular. Mm. Um, we kind of saw lots of startups around us, and we and we saw people using their names as their brand and we just thought that was a bit vain yeah and we wanted agree. something that felt a bit more like a like a cooperative um and something that lots of people could uh opt into and feel a part of and, and we also had a very strong belief in sharing value um so we wanted people wanted lots of people to be owners of it and benefit from the value that it created and we we felt that not only was that the the right thing to do um, for a business in the creative industry. Um, we thought it would be differentiating and we thought it would create a client experience that would be really competitive and sustainable in the long run and, and we'd be able to scale it. Um, and we didn't sort of know really what, what we were doing <laughs> with, with those those sort of uh, ideas. Uh, but I think the principles that you know were there at the very start we're we we're, we're right, you know, and and it did create a different flavour of company, a differentiated experience. It did create a lot of value for a lot of people, um, and it did create a relationship with clients where they saw us as more like a a partner that they also felt a part of. Um, so I think I think certainly in the first sort of ten fifteen years, it it was very much like that, um, and that I think that's something to be really happy about and proud absolutely
1: of. amazing
0: who was the first client that that said yes to you well for legal reasons okay course. i can say no of course it's, <laughs> it's, it's history now as long uh, well basically um we we'd got close to ericsson and this was um before you know iphone was a twinkle in mm. you no know, apple's eye well er- ericsson <laughs> was the phone to have at one point it wasn't that uh, it was. I yeah. mean, um, I think we had something like, you know, 25% market share at the time. Um, it was an incredibly successful company, very ambitious company, lots of ideas. It was just, just, just as people, everyone was getting mobile phones. Mm. Um, and we could see that um, in, to be successful in that category, you had to move faster, understand about technology, um, you had to also understand about culture and how to use culture to um, engage people and connect brands to to their audiences. Um, and Ericsson were very and musical. When they they yeah. were very yeah. into into music um, and festivals and you know just generally passion points. Yeah. Whether that be film or sport as well. So as a, as a load of youngsters, it was something that we were all, all really good at. You know, we understood about technology. Yeah. We understood about moving quick and you know get, you know being able to sort of work well with clients uh, and we also understood about all these passion points and how to sort of bring those to life for people in a sort of exciting way so certainly for the first few years um, as as Ericsson grew and we made uh, made our partnership deeper and started to go international with them um, that was very much what the core product was, it was very much a kind of, about youth and next the next generation of audiences and connecting brands with those audiences using a sort of increasingly diverse range of skills that weren't um just advertising or weren't just you know below the line or you know whatever the sort of conventional way of describing the category was at the time and that that made us stand out and also be really hot and relevant to lots of other clients as well who had the similar Mm. similar sorts of challenges
1: and over the last 25 years obviously the world has changed profoundly there are there's Google now. So at the same time as you launched Google Google launch. So everything has changed. How different is the the output of Iris now as it was compared to originally?
0: Yeah, I think um early, early days Iris was more into into you know, cultural uh happenings. Um uh things that were more one off, things that were more like world firsts and things that were just imaginative and impressive and you know, did you see that sort of moments? Um, that again was linked to you know our own life stage. You know, in terms of our career, you know, we were we didn't really have a clear strategy product at that point. We were just doing things that you know felt good. Um, and and now, if I compare early days Iris to Iris of the last sort of five or so years, Iris is much more strategy-led, much it's working on a bigger scale with, with more with clients that are more demanding and more ser- and more serious about, you know, what, why they're doing, what they're doing much more data led, mm. much more data led, um, and, um, much more into how to tap into uh, performance marketing to make whatever the ideas are really travel. Whereas in the early days, it was very much, let's just do it and see yeah. what happens. <laughs> like, like a sort of, you know, interesting experiment or something. Um, you know, because we let's do it because we can. Um, now it's much more with a with a, a specific uh, goal, much more kind of thought through ROI, much you know, much more of a agenda evaluation and continuous learning, and, yep. and using data to help drive that. So, yeah, there's, there's definitely been a real a real development there over the years.
1: Does data become restrictive as 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 you use more and more of it? I mean, are there going to be those experiments that that you that you did and that worked, if, mm. if the data suggests that they might
0: not work, does that mean that that creativity has been lost? In in my view, yeah. no doubt that yeah. um, that is the case. And um, data be, data is an enabler, um, and, and and it becomes a, a straitjacket if you just make it the sort of way of making decisions around yeah. here. Um, data is a way of just seeing what's happening and seeing what's working and what isn't so that you can change, you can, you know, uh, deploy... Things differently yeah. um, and and learn learn quicker, and learn with a sort of sense of objectivity. Um, but but for sure, and it, and it's very easy, I think, for businesses to become over over reliant on data because all companies have got data. In fact, yeah. in fact all companies are drowning in data. Most absolutely. data, they don't know what to do with it.
1: And they, they interpret the wrong data and use the wrong data and absolutely right. You know, I, I remember that ad, I think it was for Liam Perrins, where the, you know it was all about serendipity or, mm. or accidental thing. And they, you know, I think there was somebody cooking a spaghetti bolognese or something, they accidentally spilt the bottle mm. in there. And then they found out that that made the, yeah. you know, the bolognese taste amazing. You know, But data would not suggest that you did that.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. I, that's a great example, yeah. I think, because it's like um, there are so many things in in our lives that just don't really make sense <laughs> are just yes. amazing anyway yeah. and also you've got to think about innovation and new trends and um a, a lot of things just come from things that just just don't quite add up absolutely somehow. yeah and um you, you can't let data you know decide you've got to allow for culture and you know and you know the process of humans and trial and error and challenge and all of that and especially now because you know you you open up any industry magazine now and You'll find something to do with AI. Yeah. Very close to the sort of <laughs> very close to the sort of key message of it, weren't yeah. you? And um, um, AI is an interesting challenge because fundamentally, from my perspective, anyway, it puts even more emphasis on the idea of originality and yeah. innovation and yeah. human insight and trial and error and all these things that don't add up. I think there'll be more. That'll be more valuable tomorrow because that originality has to come from somewhere. AI mm. isn't going to create it. No, I agree completely. So um, it's an interesting new phase mm. of, of the of the industry, I think.
1: It is. It's this year's blockchain, though, <laughs> as, as far as I can see. And, and I'm loving working with chat GPT mm. at the minute. And you know, I, I use I use the AI interface of that as, a, as an assistant rather than as something yeah. that, that informs what I'm going to do. There's always things buzzing around my head, as I'm sure there are with you as well. And I've been curious over the last well, actually forever, about who is the most typical heavy metal band of all time. So I did a thing with ChatGPT that I fed in it a whole load of criteria of things that I think are stereotypically heavy metal bands. Backcombed hair, married a stripper, motorbike accident, you know, like devil symbols on on the album cover, a logo made out of a blade or something like that, and just went through all these things. Then I cross-referenced it with the sales of each of the albums of each in each territory of the top two hundred metal bands of all time, etc., and got ChatGPT to help me start weighting that data and applying. Um, you know, up certain criteria and downweighting certain criteria. So it actually puts out a formula of what is the most heavy metal band of all time. And that's what I want to use it for. It's kind of getting those, those things that, that are in your head wondering, like a pub conversation, but being able to find an answer yeah. from that data, not actually using it to inform what you do. I'm not scared of AI taking over or doing anything, but if it's used as an assistant, then it's perfect. Oh, and the answer, by the way, is WASP. <laughs>
0: Well, it's good to know. Yeah, you know, I was going to be troubled by that. Yeah, I
1: know, I know. Actually, maybe maybe I'll edit that out and uh... <laughs> right Answers on a postcard.
0: <laughs> but that that that's a good example because and again, going back to how this is used because um I, I can see that it allows you to sort of uh understand more about the rules and understand more about in in the past um data points to um, something that looks and feels a bit like this, um, and if you're like a private equity company, for example, or if you're in, or if you're one of the big holding groups and you're looking at M and A right now, you can see how that that sort of approach allows you to become more focused on the stuff that's likely to be successful within the next you know year or two. Um, and I think that's 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 meaningful and and viable and valuable. Uh, and also, there is something else though, which is yeah, but there are weird things that just happen weird trends just happen and 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 that, but they come from human spirit and making things up and you know just weirdness and that's that's a different process that you may not be able to to predict yeah absolutely in, in that way um so you've got to be able to have those two things working in parallel and together um i think so if you're going to get the best out of you know both worlds if you like
1: absolutely are, are you seeing any new trends emerge, emerging at the minute and can you actually even identify uh given how embedded that you are in cultural events and things can you identify when something might turn into a trend um
0: yes yes you can basically <laughs> yes you can and uh some of that is data and some of that's like just research and google and seeing what the media are talking about and seeing what what kids are doing and, you know, just, just, just observe, observation, just using conventional th- things before you even, you know, get into something that might be more data driven and, and more kind of reliable in terms of assessing the potential scale opportunity of, of something. But yeah. And, and I think it's always been that way. You know, there's always been trend spotting, um, but it's always been a little bit. It's, it's always been a little bit more kind of analog and um, a bit a, a more risky, you know, more, more of a risky business. And also, um today we're in such a global uh, and integrated uh economy um you know you can spot very little things and that's that's a meaningful scale of business because you can you can bring it to market globally Mm. today in a way that you didn't you weren't able to before so all these things are all linked um I, i think um but yeah it is a it is a it is a exciting time
1: it really is it's um and and the the opportunities everywhere are, are immense and amazing, and and everything is changing all the time, which keeps everything really fresh. I mean, I do remember when when I started, it was also about twenty five years ago. Um, the you know the media media plans were pretty simple. You know, sense break. Coronation Street, Page in the Sun, Capital Radio breakfast sponsorship, and then lunch in the Ivy. Um, but it's immensely different now. It's unbelievably different. And and with that has come a lot of opportunity and interesting stuff coming on.
0: Yeah. And, um, one of the things that I'm really interested in now is the creative economy and and what that is and what that does to the creative industry. Um, and I'm sort of seeing more and more businesses um, evolving more fully into the creator economy via um, you know, being a, being a social business. You know what I mean? Or ad- adopting some of the principles of being a social business. Put it that way. But I I can see um, a world where um, where creators are are like fundamental to to advertising. Um, you will you, you know you'll have. Um, you know, professional creative teams, but you, you may find them more around, they're more like creative strategists and creative collaborators, you know, and they're more inclined to be working with, you know, a load of, of, of professional creators who, who do not formally work for anybody. They work for themselves. Yeah. Um, and there's a sort of a really active partnership between, you know, a creative team and, and, and a series of, of creators. and, it will create a whole load of work that is is really different and may not may not look like a brand anymore mm. certainly how their how brands look today yep. um, it might be much much more kind of, of, of like a red thread um, and, and it also might be much more fragmented as well yeah because, because different people will experience completely different. Um, aspects of a story, or or, or right. whatever, of a strategy, or whatever, or whatever yeah. it is. Um, so that makes it very difficult for ad agencies who are used yes. to to so a top-down yeah. sort of taking it all, you know, very seriously, built, picking a long time on a brand. Yeah. And um, a lot of those skills are valuable, but but it's got to be more like open source. You know, it's yeah. got to be more like planting seeds and 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 then managing. Uh, and collaborating with what happens as a result. What once a kind of thing has been sort of set off into the wild to yeah. see what what happens, if you know what I mean. And, and this is also where data comes in because I was I was speaking to um, some creators recently, and uh, it turns out out of everybody that I know, they are the best at data that just because they're so bothered yeah. about what happens and they're so bothered real time as to what's hap- what's working what isn't and then they change it and works and you know, what you know they're just yeah. really into it in a, in a way that I just don't see creative people being right now and and that is that's a sort of real kind of blind spot I, th- I think in the industry
1: so it, it sounds like um, the over the, the course of forever then that people have been obsessed by having consistency for brands and making a brand look the same in every environment that it's appearing in, you put it into creators, then you know, the brands don't actually exist in the minds of the marketing directors, they exist in the minds of the consumers. So, yes. you, so you need to change that input that you're giving them so that the output is different, so that the, when it gets to the, the consumers, and I'm watching whoever I'm watching on TikTok, it's kind of in my language, because I've subscribed into that. Yes. How do you get at clients to release that control?
0: Yeah. Um, I think in the end it will boil down to um, the point at which they've got no choice, um, really, because <laughs> okay. you can't. You know, m- most clients are want, want control. They seek control. Mm. They do things that that make that control real, um, and they they do things that are generally rather uh, risk averse. Um, so they're not they're not looking at this through the lens of investment, trial and error. Our activities, like a portfolio, some is really going to work, some is not. They don't think like that at all. Um, they think much more uh, in, in more rigid terms. They think I'm going to back those that I know worked before, and also that, that my organ, the organisation that I serve, um, is is prepared to to support as well. So they, that that's what m- most clients that most clients think like that. Yeah. And um, it will take a while to to just change that. Would that be a generational thing, do you think? Well, um, generational thing will, the generational aspect will will be a factor, but that also just describes, um, the, the change. Yeah. So, um, the, and it's not, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not trying to say one world bad, You, you know, the old world, old world is bad. New world is good. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that there is a necessary transition. It's happening now. There are some people that are aware of it and doing something with it as an opportunity, and then and then some people that are struggling to um, uh, uh, add that into their existing kind of recipe yeah. for, for for marketing. Um, but what will happen is the num the numbers in the end won't lie, and um, you know that there, there will be people um, in big companies being advised by big media advisors, and um, suddenly the the numbers will be there, and and, and it'll be well, you you, you know. The, the numbers will then drive yeah. where people spend their money and how they spend their money yeah absolutely so so it'll be it'll be a mixture of all of these things but, but the generational aspect will will be a thing that's happening throughout this period
1: here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. when when you set up um iris and you look back on the you know the energy that you had on it what would be the key things that you would tell somebody that they're going to you know they're considering going out and doing it themselves now what were your key learnings over the initial period that you would suggest that people need to take to pay attention to
0: yeah so um i mean the first thing is you have to do it you have to do it um it is brilliant um and um don't, don't put it off you know if, if you have that in your head as a sort of little seed try just it. Do it just try it um we were lucky in that uh we did it when we were young our lives were cheap you know yeah. no mortgages no families yeah. if it goes wrong get a job we'll get a job yeah. it's fine um what what I find with people people do tend to put things off, and people do tend to fear mm. um what happens if it goes wrong and and, and and think about the risk and i and I can understand that yeah, yeah I completely can understand that, but it's like um I, I I cannot recommend it enough the The idea of um working for yourselves is brilliant yeah, um, i agree the, the uh the, the the sort of value of that freedom. Um, you know absence of politics you know all, all of those things that a lot of people have to deal with yeah that that is great for, for your life for your mental health for your health you know health for, yeah. lots of lots of things so um it, it's certainly worth it and, and i think also if, if it doesn't work out and you do end up back in a um working for the working for the people I think you, you do carry with you a lot of really positive experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know how I mean, everything fits together. Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and also, um, you, you understand how businesses work um, in, in a in a proper way, you know, in a, like cash and yep. dealing with banks and <laughs> recruiting people mm. that, for, to be part of something that they don't know what it is or, you know what I mean, and, and the responsibilities that come from um, having a lot of people's like personal uh, uh interests and wealth tied up in the, the the overall mission you know the responsibility that comes with that is 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 a is a real honor you know um so i i really recommend it and i did and i think it will it adds value no matter what you end up doing in in life i mean um in in our in in our case um the most important thing was having a sort of client partnership yep. And being really close to the client and sticking close to the relationships and um the, the detail you know so that you've got a client that trusts you mm-hmm. um and will recommend you and advocate you and um, yeah absolutely and that matt that mattered more than more than anything i think because it it led to growth and opportunities and also um you know c- c- clients have got so many options you know our, our markets our market is just so full Mm. of really good options so they have they have to unreasonably support you you know what i mean and also you know things do not always go well either so they have to sort of be invested and you know um be able to sort of uh carry on giving you that support when the the chips are down um and see that you're doing the right things for them i I think the other thing on that over and above that is about diversification so or, or depth and diversification so so And and what I mean by that is, one, make sure what whatever it is you're doing, you're constant. You're also thinking about how do you get better at it, because um, for sure, when you're doing a startup, you you won't be the finished article. Absolutely, loads of glitches and issues. And so, if if you accept that, even if you're being successful, what you're doing is, is is still a long way off being market leading. So have a thing which is about how do we become absolutely brilliant and world-class at that thing and then the second thing is about diversification because diversification um, matters because it also brings with it innovation Um, it also brings with it um, ability to to, to grow Um, and if if it's a service-based business um, then you'll get access to different budgets within the client you'll also be able to um, de-risk against yep. your your initial <laughs> initial assignment so, so that you know as the world that we live in changes which it will do yep. you're you're able to sort of carry on evolving and um, create business from a, a, a other adjacencies um, so I think they're that they're the two really important things I think over and above you know just really get into the client partnership and the detail and you know r- build that sense of investment with with the client as well as you know across yourselves as a sort of partnership group.
1: That sounds great. That sounds very wise words there. Ian, I've I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for taking time out this morning to come and talk with us. It's been an absolute
0: pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Let's Do The Right Thing is curated and presented by Adam Hopkinson. Brought to you by Passion Media in association with Radio Works and is a Maple Street Creative production. Discover more episodes and leadership insights by searching Let's Do The Right Thing podcast.